I think sitting in a conference talk, hearing from a developer and like them teaching gives us a lot of empathy for what they do. Yep. Yeah. Totally. Welcome to Design Life, a podcast about design and side projects for motivated creatives. My name is Femke. And my name is Charlie. And if this episode sounds a little bit different to normal, it's because we are sitting in the same room, recording together. We're in Copenhagen. We've just been to a design conference called Confront. And we have a special guest today who is also at the conference. And lurking in this room. And lurking in this room. Say hello. Welcome, Zach. Hi, I'm Zach Grosser. (laughs) Do you want to tell the people who are what you do? Sure, yeah. I wish I'd wrote some notes down. I'm Zach. I work at Figma, the online design tool. Um, I live in Amsterdam near Femme. I previously worked at Square as a uh, communications design lead. And um, I'm from Corning, New York. And we've been friends online for many, many years. A long time, yeah. Yeah. It was exciting to go to a conference all together, you know, and yeah, now we're going to, in this episode, basically talk about, share some of our takeaways from the conference. So if you weren't able to attend, maybe you can get some of the benefits that yeah. we got from it. And Zach, you also forgot another part about uh, yourself, which is that you are a Design Life community member. Oh, there yes. you go. I have <laughs> been a strong supporter since episode number one. <laughs> which I remember when it came out. three years ago. Yeah. We're coming up on our three-year birthday, which is crazy. That's some long support. So thank you, Zach. Yeah, thank you, Zach. <laughs> no, hey, congratulations. That's 141 episodes, we finally get you on the show, yeah. which is awesome. <laughs> so we're really stoked to have you on here. So thank you. I'm really excited to be here. So we usually start our episodes talking about, like, what, you know, a catch-up, what we did that week. But yeah. we've been spending time together. We so have. does everyone want to share their favorite thing that we've done this weekend, aside from the conference? Uh, well, we had a really small community meetup, which yeah. was probably my favorite thing. That was really fun. Several community members came to confront. Uh, so we figured like, let's have a little get together and all hang out and spend some time together. So we did that yesterday, which was really cool. And also some people who watch your YouTube channel. Yeah. A few along. people from my Patreon came along, which yeah. was really exciting. So yeah. that's my favorite part. Like always in general, my favorite parts about conferences and things are meeting other people, mm. discussing with other people in the design and dev community, getting together. So I really liked that we managed to get some members together and hang out. It was really cool. See, I liked that part too, but because I have to say something different, Okay, my favorite part was scooters. Oh. <laughs> so to get around, like doing our sightseeing of Copenhagen, we rented those you know electric scooters that are popping up in mm-hmm. cities all over the place now. We just like unlock it with an app and then... You have an electric scooter to go exploring with. And you fly. It, it was so fun because I feel like my feet get really sore when I'm on a Euro trip because you just walk around the city so much. And so it was nice to scoot instead. We were the best scooter gang yeah. in Copenhagen. Yeah. <laughs> Zach, you love the scooters, didn't I you? I did not like the scooters. I was terrified the whole time. <laughs> what was your favorite part then? Can I not say the meetup I mean, as well? you can, yeah. Okay, well, I if really you, enjoyed yeah. the Design Life meetup. We went to one of my favorite breweries, which is really cool to go to in Copenhagen or Copenhagen. I'm not really sure still. Well, we learned from Matilda, who's one of the members of my Patreon community, that what was it? We were saying Nyhaven is this area yeah. with the docks where there's the beautiful, colorful buildings. You've probably seen it all over Instagrams. It's the classic like postcard yeah, photo of Copenhagen. And she was didn't understand me when I was saying this where we went. She was like, "It's pronounced Nyhau, yeah, or something like, like something yeah, like oh, that." Yeah. Yeah, and so Copenhagen, I guess, is Copenhagen, something like that. We're oh, probably wow. butchering it. Yeah, I'm sorry, really sorry to all Danish people listening. <laughs> Ooh, we just lost some listeners. Yeah. 
but yeah we're so, trying to learn <laughs> yeah good good attempt at the pronunciation but i don't think it was correct uh, yeah i'm not going to be able to get any <laughs> yeah. of those correct so, but yeah i love the meetup and not scooting but maybe rental bikes there we go yeah that was fun that was fun well, should we talk about the conference then? Yes. And not make everyone too jealous about our Copenhagen adventures. <laughs> yes. Like, what was all of your biggest takeaways? Should we start there? Yeah. I think for me, like, it was about design systems. Mm-hmm. This feels like, it feels like we're in peak design systems time in our industry for some reason. Or like, maybe not quite peak yet. Maybe it's still on its way up. But, you know, been hearing for years about design systems Big companies have put out theirs, like published them to the world. Some of like open source and like Google with material design, Mm -hmm. but it felt like a lot of the speakers talked about design systems and there were some interesting thoughts on them that I felt like I hadn't really heard before. One speaker was talking about design systems on a spectrum where like, if they're too prescriptive and too, like too many rules, then they, you, in the end, you're thinking about the system and not the problem that you're solving. And then on the other hand, if it's too open, then is it really a system? And, you know, it's kind of like a free-for-all. And it's more of like a, I don't know, I can't remember the exact word that he used, but it's it's doesn't work so well. So yeah. you need to find, I don't a know, some sort of balance in the middle. In the middle. Yeah. And, like, do you have experience using design systems? <laughs> no. <Nope. or? laughs> <laughs> but, no, actually, I'm going to change my answer. Okay. Can't remember what speaker it was, because I took notes, but I didn't attach them to people's names. Okay. <laughs> I, like, just <laughs> notes, like, things I thought of as they were talking. But someone said, you probably do have a design system. It's just not written down. It's not documented. It's not documented. Because obviously when I design a landing page at ConvertKit, I'm not starting from scratch and thinking afresh about what size my body copy is going to be. Like, we do have a system that I use. It's just not put in a document somewhere or like, you know, living somewhere where you can access all of it. It's basically all in my head. So, yeah, that's an action point for me after this conference is to finally work on that and actually like document your actually document system. it yeah zach any major takeaways can i have two you can have as okay. many as you want oh. okay so my first was that like malmo sweden is a small town it mm-hmm. seems like i didn't get a ton of time to walk around and explore but it seemed like a very small community and it was awesome that they were investing and the conference organizers were like investing in this design community yeah. that is small so that felt really good like you could feel there was like a really tight knit dev design community there which was cool and my second biggest takeaway was that it was one audience right it was a dev and design conference right and we've always had this like really controversial discussion of (laughs) should designers code but we've had that for so long that I think like at least designers are familiar enough with the topics and so there were some very dev focused talks and there were some very design focused talks but neither really alienated the crowd regardless of where you sat and I thought that was a really great like observation of the current industry is just like devs and designers are now the same audience for the most part yeah because what we do we have to work so close together yeah you were friends so it's important for us to meld together and i even found that even the dev heavy talks i still enjoyed like Mm. maybe they weren't practical for me personally like i couldn't go away and implement like or have any strong takeaways from them but i still found it very interesting to hear and learn about that from a designer's perspective so it still felt valuable to to have those kind of talks and listen to them i think it's definitely valuable because it builds up your understanding of what the dev is doing in their job yeah empathy for the developer empathy for what they're doing that was actually another interesting point that someone brought up again 
didn't take notes of people's names, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I think it was, was his name Paul Hamilton? Paul Hamilton Paul from Hamilton. Us Too. It might have been him or, or someone else. But he talked about how AR and VR are being used to like increase empathy in people. Because, no, I've, I've, it was a woman. It was not Paul Hamilton. Oh, no? Anyway, okay. don't worry about Too it. Too bad. Next yeah. time, another <laughs> Next thing time for you is that you should write down who said what. <laughs> it was his name. Anyway, but the, it's really hard for our brains. It was the brain work girl. Can you look up her name on that? Yeah, there we go. Alexandra. Um, she talked about how this is helping us change our perspectives and see things from other people's perspectives. Mm-hmm. Because as humans, our brains don't really work that way. And we find it really hard to see things from another's perspective. Mm. So, yeah, the AR and VR are being used to help with that. But wrapping it back around to your point, I think sitting in a conference talk, hearing from a developer and like them teaching gives us a lot of empathy for what they do. Yep. Yeah. Totally. My takeaway is probably I really enjoyed the first speaker, Hakeem El-Hatab. I hope mm-hmm. I'm saying his name right. Uh, and he had a point about meaningful pointlessness. Yes. I loved this one. And then also Nuff, who talked about the discomfort zone, brought that in a little bit as well about like creative play and about like embracing being the imposter. And what I loved about these points uh, was Hakeem was talking about meaningful pointlessness in the sense of like not everything like always has to be done with such like purpose or intention you know, if you want to add this thing to your product because it's fun or you enjoy it or you yeah. like doing it, then that is enough reason mm-hmm. sometimes to actually do that. So I really liked that. That was sort of eye-opening for me because in my work, we talk a lot about like doing things for the user or to reach this yeah. goal or this metric. And like, yeah, we could like make the animation nice, but you know, how do you translate that back to like achieving a goal is really hard yeah. sometimes, but you know, if the reason to add this nice animation is because it's fun to do and it looks cool, then, then sometimes maybe that's enough reason, that's yeah. enough reason to do it. Yeah. Um, and so that was a takeaway for me to like push back a bit more on like adding extra little delightfulness, little extra moments maybe in, in an experience to, you know, make it fun and just enjoy it. And I really liked another part of his, like that, that same topic was about challenging yourself and making sure you're still enjoying what you're doing. Cause he said, I want to work at slides.com for a long time. That was like this product he founded. And so if I can do that, if I can add these animations and like try fun stuff and challenge myself, it keeps it more interesting for me. And then I'm going to want to stick around longer. And mm-hmm. like, it feels weird to say that cause you're right. We're always supposed to be focused on the user. And that is the most important thing. It's solving the problem for the user, but also we're people with careers and lives. Mm-hmm. And if and we have to, make to it fun. yeah, we have to keep make it fun for ourselves and keep challenging ourselves. And so I liked that someone said that that was a reason to do those things because I've always felt like that's a reason to do those things, but it felt wrong to say it. Yeah. So now I don't feel bad saying it. Yeah. So that's going to be my point of view from now on. Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and then it ties in with Paul Hamilton, who talked about the difference between users and humans, and that mm. actually there is no difference. Yes. <laughs> like we always talk about users, and he had this great slide. I'll see if I can find it, but it had like a bullet point list of what we think users like, are. Yeah. Users are logical and like progress to the next step. People yeah. are random and, and feeling driven. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but it was a good reminder that like, we always talk about users of mm. like, as like these people we can control when actually they're just humans and they're very unpredictable and spontaneous. And so it was a good reminder for me of like, Oh yeah, I'm solving problems for like real people, not just these 
robotic users that yeah I not just a perfect like, persona that we've put together right well, yeah and specifically on that slide one of the bullet points for users is like demand of frictionless experience mm-hmm. and he was like people deal with lots of complexity all the time yeah. and we're always trying to be like how can we get this to three or less taps and he's like you can actually present people with a lot of information and they right. can make an informed decision. People are smart. <laughs> people are smart. And I really liked that. That was a good way to think about building products. Yeah. Because I do think we often try and dumb things down because mm-hmm. we're like, we want to make this. There's no confusion. We don't want any reason for you not to continue forward with the path. And so, yeah, I, I do think we end up dumbing things down because of that. Maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> I also liked, I want to bring in Jenny Shen. Who oh, yeah. Did a- yes. Really great talk. Uh, the title was Build Bridges, Not Walls, Designed for Users Across Cultures. Mm-hmm. And to me, I've, I've seen her speak before, and usually her talks are around 45 minutes, and this time she had a lot less time. So it was a distilled version, but it was still just as amazing. I think every designer, actually, and, and developer too, should listen to this talk or yep. like have some sort of training or workshop about designing and building across cultures it's so easy to just design like for the california yes. <laughs> silicon valley that was also yeah. for me actually a theme throughout yeah i feel is like we've become too california in a way of like just building for silicon valley mm-hmm. basically and i loved jenny just like bringing us back to reality of like well we're not all like silicon valley people living in california like users are all over the world have different cultures different contexts and it's not just about localizing your product to another language it's also about you know adapting the experience to fit other cultures ways of of doing things she had a great example of a project she worked on at Travelbird, and she showed like the same screen one for the netherlands one for germany and they were so different like different information different Mm. layout but still achieving the same goal uh, and I thought that was a great way to show that it's more than just changing the language. Yeah, for sure. That made me think that, I don't know, that talk, that talk needs to be more conferences. Yeah. Because you know? yeah, I think a lot of conferences do get very California focused because that's where a lot of the big names in design and dev come from, right? Mm-hmm. And the companies they come from are all Californian mm-hmm. companies for the most part. So, yeah, I hope that we can see Jenny at some more. Yeah, absolutely. And she showed a great video as well, which we should link in the show notes. Oh, yes. Yeah, she showed a great video in her talk. And I think it's about, hopefully I pronounce this correct as a Dutch person, (laughs) Geert Hofstede, who is a Dutch person. Well, I don't speak Dutch, so I'm going to say you did it right. He's a psychologist. Psychologist, something like that. Yeah, so he has this whole theory. It's called cultural dimensions theory. And it's Mm -hmm. about like, you know, cultures on different ends of the spectrum, Uh, from like individualist cultures to more like community-based cultures. And there was this great video that she showed that kind of points on the map, like, you know, different um, big countries and where they are, and you can compare them. So we'll link that because I thought it was really good. Yeah, that really – she did a good job setting the tone for that. Yeah, Playing videos and presentations can be hard, but that was the perfect, like, point to play one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of culture, this is like probably one of my favorite lines that I wrote down. I do remember this was from This was from Paul Hamilton, who I tried to attribute Alexandra's thing to before. <laughs> um, he said, the infrastructure we make isn't just affecting culture, it is culture now. Like, Twitter doesn't affect how our culture runs. Mm. It actually is literally our culture now, is to be like using this app. And that just made me think about the responsibility that we have as people who make things online to like not make things that make our culture worse. Like, 
we want to improve the world. And so that's like another layer that you have to think about, not just solving this problem, but how to solve it in the right way, because this thing could be huge, you know? Yeah, I've never really thought about that before. And that is so strange how that influences, it trick, it's like a trickle effect, yeah, right? For like sure. It influences everything. And, and we just take it for granted. And eventually it just gets embedded and it becomes a part of it. It's like that old yeah. thing yeah. someone was talking about many years ago, because now we're like well past this, but it's like, you don't go online anymore. You live online, you know? Yeah, we have some really big ethical implications as mm-hmm. designers or builders for any digital product now. And it's definitely worth focusing on a lot more mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's heavy, <laughs> heavy <Oops. stuff. laughs> can i just bring in one more thing about design systems because like most of my yes well it's a very popular it. thing yeah so. <laughs> i really liked this point about how a design system's purpose is what you're going to get out of it so if you are creating a design system because you want something that'll be more efficient to design with it would be you're going to get products out faster that's what you're going to get if that's what you're aiming for But if you put together a design system because you want to make things better for the user, like more consistent, Mm. like help them find their way faster, then that will be the main thing you get out of it. And so SI, like I said at the start of this episode, as I come about putting together a design system at ConvertKit, I've got to be sure of why I'm doing it. Like who is the user Mm. for your design system? Yeah. And (laughs) what is the purpose of having the design system? Mm -hmm. Is it just because everyone says I should have one, so I'm going to make one? Probably not going to be very useful if that is my goal going into it, you know? True. I've never thought about like really what the purpose of a design system is. I mean, like at Uber, one obvious reason is just to keep everyone consistent. You know, when you have so many designers working on different products, having a design system is really good and useful way of making Mm -hmm. sure consistency goes across the board and everyone's using the same components and whatever but yeah I think there there are bigger reasons as well to to have a design system and I've never really thought much about it before one of my takeaways too was you know design systems are talked a lot about by designers it's Mm -hmm. in the title but (laughs) developers use and even build design systems as like a component library for Mm -hmm. like React elements, like I, you know, yeah. there's a lot of the engineering side it doesn't get in a design system. Yeah, that's so true. And yeah, something that I didn't realize until I started working with engineers using, like, I had a design system, design library that I'd been using, and then I realized that the engineers had like a copy of that in yeah. their own code world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, sometimes there's like inconsistencies between the two. Sometimes they align, which is really great when that happens. But, yeah, I kind of got introduced to this whole, like, duplicate world of a design system that I didn't know about before. Yeah. What I liked about this conference is it was a lot of devs talking about design systems. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people who gave those presentations. Like um, Sid. Siddharth. I can't remember what his last name is. Can we read that out? Uh, yes, his last name. Oh, I hope I say this right, Siddharth. I'm sorry. Siddharth Kestrapel. There we go. Yeah. He did a really good talk about how to put a design system in place. And I think if I remember correctly, afterwards I was talking to him and he was saying he comes more from the developer yeah. side of things. And so I thought that was really cool to have a dev talking about how to put it in place and not a designer. Yeah. Because, well, I love, yeah. so like I've met him a few times and he always introduces himself as like a developer, but wannabe designer or trying Aww. to be designer. Right. I think he even has it in his Twitter bio. And I'm like, Siddharth, you are a designer. Yeah, if you want to be a designer, then <laughs> yeah. you do just, <laughs> you are one. And yeah. I, I love that. We have people like him, yeah. right, who, like, have passion for both sides and try to do good for both sides and, you know, meet in the middle. I think yeah. we need more of those people. I wish I could be more of that kind of person, but, you know. Yeah, so his talk came sort of at the later end of the day. 
after there'd been all this stuff about design systems. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, why do I start? <laughs> his talk was like, here's how you start. So that was awesome. I don't know if he has a version of it online or something, but I know that's a question we're going to get from this yeah. episode and that I've been asked many times on my YouTube channel, like, how do you make one? Yeah, he but, really yeah. broke down like mm-hmm. the definition of a design system, like almost word by word. And like, you know, a design system is a pattern library. Okay, yeah. what are patterns? Yeah. Patterns are these things, you know, really broke it down. So I thought... Like that was the takeaway for me for, from his talk is like the breakdown of like what actually is a design system. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was very necessary to include yeah. and good to have at this conference. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of designer devs, mm-hmm. we ended the conference with Una Kravitz presenting. Oh, yeah. Amazing. It was probably one of my favorite talks. Yeah. I mean, she showed, she did a live coding demo mm-hmm. as she was explaining the background of Houdini, which is this like future looking CSS mm-hmm. framework project framework. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. <laughs> I, She's like, this will come out in like three or four years, maybe. Like and it'll like, be like in use then. Yeah. It was amazing. And she was just coding live on stage and I, you know, I'm not a developer. I've like built a website before, but that's the extent of my coding knowledge. And I followed most of her presentation. Mm. And she made it just seem so fun as well. I'm like, yeah, I want to code with this complicated thing where you like, you know, all the stuff that she's got to think about, but I want to try it because it looks so cool. Yeah. And and I liked that her examples, the thing she was making was sparkles, like sparkles that change yeah. behind text. I just thought that was, that was so cool. It made me really proud as a woman in tech to see her up there doing yeah, that. Yeah. I just, yeah. Because tech doesn't have to be all about, you know, the sleek lines and like dark mode when you like, you know, get super into tech things. We can have sparkles. Yeah. Why the heck Just because we can. Yeah. We can build sparkles. Yes. We can build, build sparkles. sparkles. Again, for meaningful pointlessness. Yeah. Just because we want to, you Yeah. Know? And it made her whole talk more interesting as well, I think. The subject matter, like yeah. what she was trying to build. I was like, I've never thought about building sparkles in CSS before. <laughs> and they even it. animated. Yeah. It was so cool. Yeah. She was very charismatic as well on yes, stage. Great absolutely. presenter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've been following her on Twitter for a while, so I was really excited to see, see that she was speaking. Um, she's at Una on Twitter if anyone wants to follow her because I think she's a good follow. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to recommend. <laughs> Does anyone have like um, something about the process or like, I don't know, something you're going to do now after this conference? Like, is there an action point you have? So after listening to Hakeem's talk about, so he was the first presenter and he showed a lot of like, little micro interactions mm-hmm. and animations and little like nice delightful touches to the to the user experience and I've always struggled in the past with trying to convince engineers that those are worth doing yeah because they're not necessarily well you could argue whether they're like critical to the experience but they just are really delightful so my kind of takeaway is to figure out how to you know bring that more into my work and manage to convince engineers that they're worth actually investing resources in. Yeah. So I don't know yet how I'm going to do that, but I think it's really important. So I'm excited <laughs> for a future episode where we can talk about it. Oh, well, let's see. And talk about yeah, how sure. that whole went. <laughs> okay. That'll be fun. What, what about, about you, Zach? Yeah. Oh, uh, I have to, I want to do the very cliche thing of redo my portfolio website <laughs> because I saw so many cool things and I was like, oh, I want to like get, in, get into yeah. that again and try and tear it all apart and start yeah. over. And um, I'm giving a presentation, a talk on design systems next week Ooh, cool. in Berlin. So this was like, there were a ton more data points for me to sort of pull from and think about as I'm finishing up my talk. Yeah. Awesome. Mine is, like I said, try and put a design system in place, start with cataloging everything. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there was someone who talked about, I think it might have actually been Sid in his talk, There was he showed an example of a design system where the user research was included in the system, like when you're viewing it, um, that there's like, oh, and by the way, here's why um, we did this. Yeah. Um, and it gives everyone context around the thing. We are doing, like, in a phase at the moment, it can work of doing a lot of testing. Like we're just starting to get into this new process and way of working. So I think that'd be really cool to include in our design system so that you can see yeah. the design and also why it looks like that. Yeah, like we yeah. chose this button to be red because the research yeah. showed that more people clicked on it. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. That's, exactly. that's all, always very interesting. Yeah, so I'm thinking it's a big job, but I'm excited to try, basically. Well, that's what counts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sorry to put that in a bad way. But I very much look forward to our future episode about the design system that you built. Like, okay. Yes, yeah, so we've had people asking us for a while to talk about design systems yeah, on this show. So I hope this sufficed for, for anyone now. who's been wanting that. Like, yeah, we're just learning. So Yeah, I have never built a design system. I mean, I, I work a little bit with a design system these days in my work, but like not actively involved in creating or maintaining it. So I mm. don't really have any experience on that side. Um, but maybe you will now. Yeah. If you, uh, and yeah. Or maybe we need to get Zach back on because he does. <laughs> yeah, you know a lot about design systems. <laughs> um, let me finish my talk first and then I'll come back okay, and okay, share what I have. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. All right. Anyone got any last points to add or should we wrap it up? Well, I would just recommend the conference next year. Cool. If uh, people are thinking about going to a conference that has a you know really nice balance of design and dev mm-hmm. and a very welcoming community, interesting talks, good speakers. All the food was vegetarian. Yeah. It was vegetarian. It was really nice. Correct me if I'm wrong. This was their second year? I think so. I think so. Yeah. I think, so I I think they yeah. want to do it again. So that's good. Yeah. And it's in a cool venue too. Like you said, Malmo. Cool to have it in that community. And then we stayed in Copenhagen. Yeah. So like you can stay in one country and go to a conference in another country. How cool that's is that? That's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love Europe. All right. Well, thank you for being on our show, Zach. Yeah, Zach. Thank, thank you, you so much for where having me. Where can people find you online? I'm at Zach Grosser on Twitter. That's probably where I'm most active. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's, he's a good follower too. I'm going to recommend you follow Una and you follow Zach. That is Zach is very good at uh, retweeting. Yeah. I retweet a lot of stuff. Yeah. Hopefully not too much. Sorry no, if I get annoying. Good. No, it's always good. Good content. So go follow Zach. If you would like to talk to Zach some more as well as some other creative people, you could join our community. Yeah. Which is at designlife.fm slash community. That's that page that I rebuilt a couple of weeks ago that Pam found out about on the show. <laughs> so go check it out. Go sign up for the community. It's monthly membership. We'd love to have you as a part of it. It's a great Slack community. Oh, thank you. There we go. Oh, thank you, Zach. Use a testimonial right here. <laughs> uh, if you want to listen to more episodes, just search for Design Life in your favorite podcast app or go to designlife.fm or us on Twitter at designlife.fm. And thanks for listening to the show today. Yeah. Thanks for like putting up with any audio issues that might have happened between the three of us sitting in one room. <laughs> but this was fun. Thanks for listening. All right. See you all later. See you soon. Bye. 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 <laughs>